Welcome to the 404 Not Found podcast. In this episode, we will be talking about our summer, what we learned from it, um, what God revealed to us, and everything in between. So we're going to do roll call. John. Hera. Max. Hello. And uh, yeah, that's it for today. We will be having the others um, next week. But with that being said, I hope you guys enjoy. Kick back, relax, grab your nearest water to stay hydrated, and um, go to your nearest fireplace to hear John um, <laughs> talk about his uh, his summer. Thank you very much. So, uh, John. Howdy. Uh, welcome back. It's just me and you today. Absolutely. Um, Yashka is doing RA things in the things. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Shoving a mic in my face. <laughs> so, yes, Yashka is doing the RA things. And um, who else? Reese. Reese is out doing some training right now. And Eli graduated, so he's out. Um, poor Eli. We miss him. And yeah, we do. We do miss him. This chair really isn't comfortable. <laughs> we'll bring our own chair, our own chairs next time. Uh, I don't know about that. I almost said tables. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the uh, the crew uh, for right now. Yeah, we invited Sean. So if you guys remember Sean from uh, the earlier episodes of our um, podcast, we might have them again. We don't know yet. But um, this won't be a long episode. It'll kind of just be a recap, uh, minus good old Eli and uh, Big Mike. Um, and Yashka is, again, busy with homework. So You got to make it sound cool and say RA things. Uh, yeah, RA things. My bad. But, yeah, this is really just a relaunch, uh, getting into the new semester. It's been a couple of weeks. Been, um, honestly, just uh, a little busy. Um, We're know, in week four. Yeah, it's Already like half over, and well, I don't. The math that math doesn't add up. It adds up in my head. Okay, <laughs> I'm subtracting the the winter break and the Thanksgiving. That break. still doesn't add up, but okay. <laughs> I subtract a whole week off the okay. fall break. <laughs> oh, all I'm right. Checked out before the break. Even okay, started. yeah. All right. So, anyway, that's how I that's how I do my math. But uh, okay, but no, um, yeah. I guess to kick it off, today was good. Went horseback riding again. Dylan is doing very well. Do um, they remember who Dylan is? I mean, if they don't, for the new uh, listeners or people <laughs> who should go back and re-listen our, our old uh, podcast, Dylan is a horse that I ride up at the equestrian center, and uh, I love him. And He loves you. Yes, he does. I fell with peppermint after uh, we got <laughs> done riding, so he has peppermint breath now. But, for the uh, ladies, of course. <laughs> Dylan is a stud. All right, he all the <laughs> ladies up at the equestrian center love Dylan, so he's a stud. But um, yeah, outside of that, doing the pastoral leadership things, this semester has been pretty heavy. A lot of reading. Yeah. Um, I don't understand Greek syntax at all, <laughs> so that's been a little difficult. I don't even know how you spell syntax. Um, yeah, neither <laughs> do I. But um, so, how's your uh, semester been kicking off? Um. So. This semester, I switched to pre-med. That's pretty fun. Um, I had a test last week. I have a test upcoming next Wednesday. 
I didn't study for the test um, last week. Mm. Um, so how did you fail? Well, actually, I don't think I failed. Actually, it was this week. Today's Friday. Yeah. It was Wednesday that I had the test. Um, I didn't fail. I actually think I um, got a solid B on it. And I think if I would have studied, actually, like, taking time out of my, my day, my week, <laughs> and sat down and read my book and stuff, then I probably would have gotten a, a high A, if not a 100. So what you're doing is you're actually encouraging students out there to take pre-med. No. I'm actually doing the exact polar opposite. Don't do pre-med. If, if, if you don't have that calling to be a doctor, do not take pre-med. It is such a struggle and a half to go and study. And like, I know a lot of friends in my classes, they were like, oh my gosh, that was like the hardest test ever. And I was like, not really. <laughs> I think it's just because I have a basic foundation in my bio classes because I took AP bio in high school. But that was two years ago, so I'm I'm very very rusty. But besides that, um, don't take pre med. It's a lot of work unless you're like, you know, dedicated to studying and you have that calling from God. So, well, sounds like we need more doctors out there. So go ahead and take pre med. <laughs> yeah, um, do it for God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, but John, how was your summer? Um, did you do anything that glorified God? And if so, what? Um, anything interesting? Anything spectacular? You know, hit, hit me with it. Okay. Well, before I do, I think uh, all of our listeners have to know this. Uh, you changed your name over the summer. All right. It wasn't over the summer. You changed but, your name. So, all right. I'll, I'll give you guys some some backstory and I was I was gonna bring that up but so my name is Shane Maximus Hidalgo right that's my first middle and last they're gonna search you on all of social now that's fine <laughs> I haven't done anything crazy <laughs> um so Maximus is my middle name and um I prefer Maximus back I I know this is very common for uh Puerto Rican cultures and households but they usually call you by your middle name so i have a cousin his first name is ramiro and his middle name is elijah so we call him elijah um my first name is shane but in my family we go by maximus so in karate when i was little i wanted to go by maximus at home i went by maximus at school i went by shane so fast forward to um college um i didn't want to confuse everyone because um, I wanted to go by Max, and then the RAs would call me Shane, and then I would have to explain that whole story. So me being the little freshman that I was, I was like, just call me Shane. But deep down inside, it just it just hurt. It felt like a knife piercing my heart. <laughs> I just hated every second of it. And then this year, I was like, I'm not a freshman anymore. Why am I, like, scared to speak up? What am I, a, a little boy or something? So I was like, kind of. <laughs> so I was like, call me Max. And so everyone's getting adjusted to calling me Max. I know a couple of the girls from our sister dorm, they're still debating about calling me Max or calling me Shane. But nonetheless, yeah, um, I am Max. Um, that wasn't over the summer. I was always known as Max. I just decided to... He just decided to come back and hit us with it. And he's just like, I'm no longer Shane. I am now Max. Yeah, you my, refer to me as Max. That was my alter ego. <laughs> Is that what it is? Alter ego? I don't know. I think it is. Okay. Alter ego? Alternate ego? Yeah, anyway. All right, John. <laughs> Hit us with your summer. <laughs> so, um, I had a desire to go out to California um, for at least a week over the summer. And thankfully, I got to do that. 
And that was the first thing I did after I got home and sort of unpacked my bags. Um, I stayed on campus for an extra week, requested to do that so I could watch people leave because to my advantage, I finished all my uh, finals early and I didn't have to stick around for very long. So where did you sleep, John? <laughs> Tell us where you slept during that extra week. Well, I, sl- I slept here in, in the room, in the quad, but uh, most certainly um, got home after a wonderful semester and I started sleeping on the floor. And that was kind of, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. Um, That's some great back support. Oh, yeah. I love a cold, hard surface to lay on. Uh, It does really good for my lower spine. Oh, yeah. um, It just absolutely helps with, like, realigning my spine and my joints while I'm sleeping at night. Perfect. I suggest it. So um, so I get back home, and my parents were selling the house. So the whole house was empty to the point where you walked around, and it just echoed everywhere. You slept in in an empty room. You know, I slept in the room that I grew up in for 17 years and it was completely empty and wow that was um that was definitely a little bit of a of a transition um so rolled out my isomat and uh slept there with my pillow my blanket and our cat and so that went on for about two weeks until we could finally close on the house once we closed on the house we had everything already moved into storage we had everything moved up to the property up in the mountains where we were moving to and we just hopped in the car i threw the cat in my lap hopped in my camry and drove off my parent okay what you just threw your cat in the car and called it a day like you didn't get a like a cage or something you just no okay so look cats don't like cars if there's a cat that likes a car out there um i want to know that that cat's name because it's certainly not mine so i'm driving down the road and honest to goodness i've got a uh, i've got like this blanket and i've got it all folded up into like a nice little bed our cat's <laughs> name is kit kat so kit kat is just curled up in my lap right there as I'm driving down the road. And all she's doing is just doing like a really quiet, quiet, like raspy meow. And eventually, it was, it was a four-hour drive. So about two hours in, she finally falls asleep. Well, unfortunately, someone with a squatted truck is going down the road with a bunch of – with their um, glass pipe – uh, or glass packs on their uh, their tailpipes and wakes Kit Kat up. So what does Kit Kat do? Freaks out because now she just woke up in a car. She doesn't like it. She doesn't know where she's at, and she's traveling down the road. So then she finds herself on my shoulders. And so she's propped up on my shoulders, and I've got all these guys in 18-wheelers. I've got these families in their SUVs because I'm in the slow lane making sure that I'm, you know, doing the speed limit. I'm keeping Kit Kat safe. You know, and I've got all these families and like big trucker dudes driving by and there's a cat propped up on my shoulders, all like digging her claws into my shoulder all the way for the next two hours. Um, It was a great time. And so we get up to the mountains, we unload everything, and that's where I stayed for the rest of the summer. Um, My dad had a huge or has a huge metal building. And I slept in the loft. Um, 
just slept in the loft with the tractors and all the equipment, and then my parents slept in the uh, in the shed. And I was pretty thankful to actually have that loft and to be there. Um, but that grew old pretty quick. Um, but uh, certainly early on in the summer, I flew out to California and served with a church out there and um, honestly just got to see what it meant to go prayerfully into each day. Like you wake up and you just pray about the day and you have no idea what's going to happen and you just kind of dive into the day. Did you um, mention why you wanted to go there? I have not mentioned that, but uh, good question. So the reason I wanted to go there is because that's where there's a Marine Corps base. And I want to be able to go there and serve the church that serves the Marines and their families of that base, uh, 29 Palms. And so I went there and was able to serve the church and and was able to serve Marines in the in and around the town. And it was just an awesome, it was an awesome time. Honestly, it was the highlight of my summer. And just being able to do that was uh, very fulfilling on my end. Um, so... There's a whole, there's probably a whole podcast in that alone, but um, just skipping on through, I came back and it was, it was a pretty low point when I got back because I was on like this spiritual high of, I got to, you know, put the armor of God on in the morning and I got to go out and just like carry my shield of faith and, you know, was yielding the sword of the spirit. And I got back home and it was like I was on I was on leave, like I was on limbo, and I was like, what to do now? Like, I wasn't in the fight, I wasn't in the battle, and I took all my gear off, you know, laid my sword down, laid my shield down, started taking off, you know, my breastplate and my helmet, and I just started getting way too comfortable, and I started, like, relaxing way too much, and that's when I started becoming very ineffective, um, both as a person, but also as a, as a Christian, just wasn't picking up my Bible and reading it because I honestly in the back of my head it was kind of like what's the point like it's not like I'm gonna go into into battle spiritually today you know but what a lie that was um, I bought into that lie and I bought into that complacency and it really honestly it pretty much stunted a great opportunity to grow over the summer um, and I look back on that now and you know can't really do much about now but uh, lesson learned and uh, But I did have a couple of more opportunities over the summer where I went out to the coast on the Outer Banks, and I got to meet up with a, uh, with a chaplain and a pastor out there working in uh, Cape Hatteras, um, which, by the way, I did not know that the Outer Banks were such a spiritually wicked um, area. And if you're from the Outer Banks, I, I, I don't mean that in a um, degrading tone towards, towards anyone. It's just there really was like a sense of just um, almost emptiness, but not in the sense of there was a void that could be filled by the gospel, but it was like there was a void that was already filled by a false gospel. And it, uh, it, was, it was pretty uh, pretty weird, pretty, uh, pretty dark out there. Um, I was out there for a couple of days, and uh, during the tropical storm, that actually pushed through, so that was cool, beyond the Far East side of North Carolina as a tropical storm went across the beach, um, came back to the mountains, continued doing what I had been doing the whole summer, chopping down trees, um, cutting through brush, a uh, bunch of thorns and thistles, briars and all kinds of stuff, cleared about 
three acres with my dad um, is about how much we we uh, did in total. And then on a whim, I took a trip out to Washington uh, State, Washington State. Went backpacking with a buddy of mine out in the northern Cascades. Uh, we got about seven miles in, decided this was not what we wanted to do. So we turned around, called an audible, and we went to Mount St. Helens. Uh, checked out Mount St. Helens, slept on the side of a ridge that night. And uh, Mount St. Helens is beautiful. Um, and then we went to Mount Rainier and uh, checked that out. That was super cool. Um, slept beside a uh, ranger station at, at night. Weren't supposed to be there, but, you know, it was the safe, safest place to be so that, you know, Billy Bob and his cousin didn't, you know, hijack us on the side of the road. Um, but funny thing was we actually got woken up in the morning by someone playing a trumpet at 6 a.m. out of this ranger state. So, like, there's some ranger out there at Mount Rainier just practicing the trumpet at 6 a.m. Um, so that was a thing that happened. And got back home, took a trip to Kentucky with my mom. And we checked out the uh, the Ark Museum as well as the Creation Museum. And those were super cool. Personally, I liked the Ark Museum a whole lot better uh, than the Creation Museum. The Creation Museum kind of was like a rehashing of what was already covered in the Ark as far as like the origin of man and kind of, kind of a little bit of that. And um, But yeah, the, the Ark was super cool. I really liked it. Um. Yeah, and that's about that was about my summer. Um, yeah, what about you? Well, John, that was uh, that was nice, good story. Um, yeah, we're definitely gonna have to talk about um, how your trip to the uh, is it Twenty Nine Palms? Yeah, yeah, how that how that went and um, how you glorified God there because I know you were telling me some stories over at the quad and it was kind of interesting. Um, and I just love to see how, uh, you relied so much on God to the point where he led you exactly where he wanted you to go and you just obeyed. And I think that's, that's freaking amazing. So we'll probably have to talk about that in one of these podcast episodes. My summer was pretty freaking cool on a missions trip. That was my first ever missions trip and I freaking loved it. I went with an organization called, it was only a week. So it was my first ever missions trip. And I was like, ah, I don't want to be gone too, too long and um, regret it and be like, oh man, this missions trip sucks. Like, oh man, I, I'm not called to be uh, someone that goes across the seas, but I loved it. I loved it to the point where I want to actually go to more missions trips. And so I'm planning on going to more, but that mission trip was, man, I learned so much. Um, uh, and my eyes were open to a crap ton of things, such as poverty, what happiness truly is and how it's not materialistic. It's not based off of what you have, but what you can make out of things. And um, an example that I can give you was these kids had a soccer ball and the whole outside was like gone. So it was just, if you ever like got, uh, broke like a soccer ball or a volleyball, the inside's like that black, um, f inflatable, like it's the ball itself. Yeah. yeah. So there's no stitching. That's what they were playing with. And, and it wasn't even filled. It was actually popped. 
So they probably like duct taped it or something so that it was flat enough to roll, but that was it. So you would like kick it and it would like tumble like a solid like foot and then that was it. But they loved it. Whenever um, I went there, um, they just immediately picked up the soccer ball and they were like, oh, come play with us, come play with us. And so that was fun. But like I said, it opened my eyes to poverty in other countries and how these kids could have fun with the most simple things possible. There was also a toy where that was made out of like a milk jug. And then the wheels were, I forgot what it was made out of, but, and they like pulled it with a string and that was their car. And one of the kids, he was so proud of his car and he would show everyone. He'd be like, look at my car. Look at this. Look at this. Isn't it cool? And it was just a milk jug that was carved out and it had some wheels, four wheels. And that was his toy and he loved it. So God opened my eyes to that. Um, a couple of crazy things happened. Um, a lot of spiritual warfare. Actually, met a voodoo priest. That was interesting. Um, we got to hear his testimony, and um, yeah, it was just uh, insane. I got to share the gospel a bunch of times. We gave over 100 water filters and preached the gospel to them. So we took care of their physical and spiritual needs, which is all that you need in yep. life. That's it. Those two things. So I had a blast. I learned a lot. I deepened my relationship with Christ and I came home and I looked at water totally different. And for them to use, to get water, they would go to their nearest like um, pipe, pour water out. And that water was 99% of the time it was brown or was filled with parasites. And one of the questions we had to ask them, because we had a whole list, where do you get your water from? Do you drink this water that you, where you get it from? Is it, um, does it have any parasites? Do you clean it with bleach or um, anything else like chlorine? And almost all of them said dirty. They don't drink from it. And they add bleach or chlorine to drink it, to drink it. We swim in pools with chlorine. And you open your mouth and you get yelled at by your parents for drinking the chlorinated water. <laughs> So we gave these water filters out and um, we gave it to the families that were very poor in the village. All of them were poor, but um, it was very, very interesting. So I can get more into detail um, next time. So after I came home, I was the same exact way. I was at a spiritual high. I felt like I could just confidently preach the gospel to anyone and everyone. And it got to the point where I came home and that's exactly what I did. I went to work immediately I preached the gospel to seven people at once and I felt like freaking uh, Peter uh no no one got saved <laughs> after oh, yeah. I preached <laughs> so I, it was it was kind of like that but not like that yeah 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 um yeah <laughs> I preached the gospel um they started asking me questions like Max does God love gay people Max what happens if I sin Max and I just answered all these questions. So it, it kind of was like, you know, Peter preaching. But at the same time, no one got saved that day. But um, one of my childhood best friends, his name is uh, Nick. He winded up coming to church with me uh, about a month later. And he gave his life to Christ. I think that was July 11th, if I'm not mistaken. So glory to God for that. And um, because I went on that missions trip, 
I was filled with so much, um, so much of the Holy Spirit, so much confidence that I was able to go home and just preach the gospel to seven people at once. And I didn't care if my bosses were listening or watching. I didn't care if there was a Muslim on the side or, or anything like that. I just preached the gospel. I preached the good news to these guys. And um, one of these guys was so filled with pride that he just didn't want to listen. And I, I picked him out of the crowd and I said, hey, I was like, who's the one person that you love so much? Like, no one can top that love. And he was like, oh, probably my mom. And I was like, all right, would you give your mom up to die for someone? And he was like, heck no. And I was like, God did that with his only son for you because he loves you. And he, after, I can tell in the beginning when I was like preaching the gospel, he was kind of like rolling his eyes and he just didn't want to be there. And the only reason he was there is because his friend was there. But once I told him that, I saw his eyes widen and I could tell that he started to listen. So stuff like that, um, that's how my summer went. I People really understood that I was a Christian. I got made fun of a bunch for being a Christian. Um, I had an old friend back at home. He would always make inappropriate jokes and I wouldn't laugh to it. And then he'd be like, what the heck is wrong with you? I used to always laugh to that. And I used to be, and now I was like, uh, like I don't know, I just don't find it funny anymore. Yeah. And he used to be like, oh, you're such a beep. And and then I'd be like, oh, well, thanks, man. Love you too. So, yeah, that's how my summer went. And um, that's cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a awesome. For me, I spent some time during my summer not really doing that much. Um, I was out chasing rainbows and getting caught in thorn, <laughs> you know, thorn oh, thickets. Oh, this is a good. Oh, yeah, you should tell your rainbow story. My rainbow story? Yeah, tell your rainbow story. Make me and sound then. A little, a little sus. A little fruity. <laughs> so, the rainbow. Love Here this. I am. Here I am. Sitting on top of this ridge line with my dad. And it's raining outside. As it does all over and all the time in Asheville. And it's raining and I'm sitting there. My dad's sitting there. I think my dad's drinking a Coke Zero. And I'm over there munching on some goldfish or something like that. Solid. Yep. And I notice that the rain goes from like a nice steady rain to a nice little drizzle. And there is this rainbow that starts to appear in the sky. And it's close. Like it is, it's almost like you could throw a rock at it and, and like hit this rainbow. And it's just getting uh, more and more defined as far as like, the edges, the colors, and how, like, they're separated. Like, you could see the whole, whatever that acronym is, Roy G. Biv. Roy G. Biv, baby. Yeah. Um, very few things that I remember from high school. And so I'm like, wow, that is so cool. Like, it, it looks like, you know, it's in a picture book. And then I start to notice where this uh, rainbow is is ending. Is it's actually ending or starting, I don't know which of the two, in our yard. So where our house cabin sits is on the top of a horseshoe ridge. So the other side of the horseshoe is where this rainbow was was like touching the ground. And I was like, I've never seen that before. So what do I do? 
I'm thinking all this through my head, so my demeanor is very, very uh, chill, very relaxed. And so I, I calmly stand up, and I start to walk out of this, out of the uh, the shed. And uh, probably to my dad's curiosity is, what are you doing? Um, but he didn't ask the question, so I kept walking across the property. Eventually, got down, you know, the uh, the slope, and you know, couldn't see the cabin anymore. And so I'm, here I am walking along this ridge line, and I'm going towards this uh, this rainbow. And like, I'm thinking to myself, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like, how many people would be able to say, I have walked and stood at the end of a rainbow? And so I'm thinking, this is going to be cool. This is going to be awesome. Like, I wonder if the temperature is going to be different. I wonder if, like, maybe I could look into the rainbow and then, like, I don't know, I'd see all these trippy lights or something like that. Like, I got no idea because I've never done it before. So here I am walking over, and I can see this stump in the ground. And this stump was a like a marker of where the rainbow was at. And it was like the, the colors of the rainbow were touching this stump. And... So I'm like, well, I'm going to go walk to that stump. So I start walking over to the stump. And about the time I get to the stump, I look up in the sky and I don't see anything. I kind of look around and I don't see anything. I'm like, I just saw the rainbow here. And I'm like, I can't believe it. If I would have just walked a little bit faster, I could have gotten there in time. But apparently the sun and the stars and moon and everything like that moved out of alignment and then... Here it is. We uh, we can't see, you know, the the other uh, rainbow anymore. And so I'm a little frustrated. I'm like, I just missed my opportunity to see all the sparkling lights and to feel the temperature change. And I'm like, man, now I got to walk back up there to my dad sitting in his chair. And he's going to be like, what are you doing? And I'm going to have to tell him I was chasing a rainbow. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. So I realized, well. I kind of have to. Um, that's where my chair is. So I start walking back up the ridge, make it back up there, plop down in the chair. And as soon as I plop down in the chair, I look down in the valley, and the rainbow is still there. And my dad asked me, he's like, what were you doing? And so I kind of looked at him. I said, I uh, was trying to walk to the end of that rainbow down there. My dad looks over at me. And he doesn't really say anything. He just kind of takes a little bit of an inhale, lets it out real slowly, and he goes, hmm. And that was it. That sounds exactly like you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's my dad. That's my dad in a nutshell. But um, so, but as I sat there and I contemplated, what in the world? Why couldn't I see the rainbow when I was down there? I started to think about it, and I was like, you know, I really don't know why. I'm not a science person, so I don't have an explanation. But I do know this. That is going to serve as an analogy at some point in life when you talk about chasing the rainbow. Because a lot of times we picture, like, you know, the, the classical thought of a rainbow. And you got the pot of gold, and everyone's chasing after the pot of gold. And it's like, can you find the leprechaun with the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? And here I am, and I made it to the end of a rainbow, and I didn't find anything. It's like, how often do I do that with other things in life? Where I, I, I leave the comfort and I leave the opportunity of 
where I'm at in life, whether it be in good standing position of whatever, job, relationship, um, maybe just personal satisfaction in life, and I'm trying to chase after something. And I'm chasing after something that's not going to actually yield anything back. And honestly, it's just a, a, a figment of my imagination to think that there would be something at the end of that. Because at the end of the day, I don't really know. But I do know this. I could have enjoyed the view of that rainbow for a little bit longer sitting there with my dad than if I had just gotten up to try and go chase it. Now do I regret going down there and, you know, walking to that stomp and see if I could? No, I don't. Like, that's a cool story. Um, learned what happens when you get to the end of the rainbow. You can't see it. Um, but I do know this. Um, maybe that might serve as an analogy for someone else in how there's a lot of good things that look, you know, colorful and attractive in this world. But uh, before you get your eyes so so fixed on what all is out there, think about where you're at and what might be right beside you. Because what's right beside you might be a whole lot more important than the dream of trying to chase what might be way out there. And, and again, take it with, you know, a grain of salt um, because uh, that, yeah, just take it with a grain of salt. And if, if that's something that kind of speaks into a little bit of your life, we'll take it. Um, but it's not meant for everyone because there are definitely some times when you need to, you need to look out and say, well, I'm, I'm looking over there and that grass over there definitely is greener. Um, I've definitely had some of those times in my life where I needed to pick up from where I was because it was an unhealthy spot. I was only hurt myself by trying to stay there out of my own personal pride or personal commitment to say, nope, this is personal now. I'm sticking in this for the long run. doesn't matter if it hurts me or not. Um, sometimes that's a, that's a destructive mindset that we can have. But uh, anyway, so yeah, there's my rainbow story. There's my little, you know, I go, I don't know, application, life yeah. lesson, whatever it is. Was that girl, did she have a nosebleed or she was just blowing her nose? No, I think she's just walking and blowing her nose at the same time. That's impressive. Yeah, that's a talent. Give her some, <laughs> give her some kudo points in that one. <laughs> For those that are listening, there was just a, a girl that just walked by and looked at both of us while we're in the recording studio, well, holding a napkin or a tissue to her nose, and then she just walked back. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there. I think she was blowing her nose, and that's quite impressive. Yeah, that's a talent. Honestly, if you're a girl out there and you blow a snot rocket, like you just went up in a tear mark for me. Like, uh, I can't agree. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever blown a snot rocket? Yeah, everyone has. I don't know. I don't think everyone has. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, when, like, there's no tissues around and no one's around, you just let her, let her rip, I guess. I got a feeling that there are going to be a whole lot of people out, out there who are just going to be like, what? Ew. No. Never. Yeah, I feel like we just lost half our viewers. Oh, probably. <laughs> or listeners, rather. But for those of you who, you know, <laughs> like the... Uh, just the shift between something really serious and really deep. And now we're just talking about people, you know, blowing snot rockets. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's pretty much what this podcast is. I was talking to a friend today, and I was telling her how the podcast is supposed to be like a conversation. And they're just listening to us. They can't reply, obviously, because they're listening. But it's supposed to feel like we're they in the room. Reply. 
We we want your feedback. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, but um, it's supposed to feel like we're in the room with them. That's what it's supposed to feel like. And then if they have any questions, yes, please comment on the Instagram page or um, if you see us in person. Yeah, just know this uh, this podcast is how we teleport to where you are. Yeah. So your room, your car. Yeah, this is this is how we teleport. Yep. So if you don't know the podcast, it's 404 or 404 Not Found Podcast. All one word, 404 Not Found Podcast. We have 52 followers, 59 following. Wow. Wait. We're famous. Well, how does the 52 and the 59, what's the difference between followers All right, and so the following is like you have the account and you follow five, 59 different people. But the 52 followers are people that follow you. Oh, so everyone that we're following is not following us back. <laughs> so we're following 59 people, and only 52 of them are following us back. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm socially illiterate. <laughs> That's okay. We all are in a little, in ways. But anyway, so. Real quick, are we going to talk about belly buttons with the sister dorm? Because I don't know about that one. Yeah, why not? On recording? It's just belly buttons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crop tops are not allowed here at Liberty, all right? Yeah, but, I mean, when God gave Adam and Eve clothes, did he give Eve a crop top? I don't think so. All right. We'll talk about that in the next <laughs> So we're going to talk about belly buttons, and we're going to talk about the dress code that God gave to Adam and Eve. Yep. Yep. I wonder if Adam and Eve got, like, long pants and, like, a button-down shirt. Or, like, <laughs> or it was just, like, a, a just a throw-on T-shirt. That leopard skin better, better have been past the knees. <laughs> yeah, we like modesty here. <laughs> All right, yeah, so we'll save that for next episode. Ooh, that's actually, that's... Yeah. That might be a, a, a pretty fun... All right. Well, with that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the 404 Not Found podcast. Um, This has been Max and John. Hera. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Tune in next week for belly buttons and more. Uh, belly buttons and dress code. I think it's yeah. Dress code. Dress code. And we'll we'll come up with a title. Yeah, the title will be good. Anyway, all right. Say bye, John. Bye. Bye.